And now we take you to Evangel Assembly of God in Tallahassee, Florida, to another powerful, life-changing message. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Psalm 78, verse 41, we're talking about uh, taking the limits off God, and today we're focusing in on wrong beliefs, wrong beliefs. Psalm 78, 41, it's kind of a, a key verse for us. It says, yes, again and again, they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. The truth is this, most of us limit God in one way or another. And in a big way that I think that many of us limit God is, is in the area of our thinking. It's by wrong beliefs. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just talk to you today about wrong beliefs. See, I believe that our God is a sovereign God. And by that word sovereign, sovereign is not a Bible word. Do you know that? You won't find the word sovereign in the scripture, but it means that God's independent of you and me. And God is independent of you and me, but he's not independent of his word. He watches over his word, the Bible says, to perform him. And the word that goes forth from his mouth will not return void, but it will accomplish that thing whereunto it is sent. And our God is sovereign. He's ultimately in control of the universe. And one day he's going to wrap this thing up. One day the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God's going to sound and those that are dead are going to rise from their graves to meet the Lord in the air. Those of us that remain are going to be caught up together and we're going to forever be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Or any of you discouraged today about things going on in, in the states or in the world? Comfort. Hey, comfort one another with these words. The Lord is going to come back. He's going to wrap this thing up. And, and God is ultimately in control. But I just want to suggest to you that I don't think that every bad thing that happens is God's will. Now, I realize I may be puncturing some balloons this morning because there's just a lot of bad things that are happening in the world. Last week, 79 people, 79 people in London perish in an apartment blaze. Yesterday morning... It's 6 a.m. in China. There's a landslide, and it buries 40 homes. As of this morning, they, they, they can't account. They say we've either got a little over 100 people that are unaccounted for or are dead. And then this morning, there was a, there was a, a tanker truck filled with oil in Pakistan that exploded. It killed 125 people. It injured over 130 people. Folks, last night, somebody in Tallahassee was molested. Last night, somebody was raped. Last night, somebody drank up their paycheck. Last night, somebody was in an auto accident. And I just, I just, I just don't believe that God is in all of the bad things that happen. In fact, Jesus, he taught us to pray a model prayer, didn't he? He says, pray this way. Say it with me. Our Father, who which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then he said, pray this. He says, thy kingdom come. Now let's stop, pause there. The kingdom is a coming kingdom. Jesus is coming back. But Jesus also said the kingdom of God is at hand. So the kingdom is not only coming one day, but the kingdom is here. God wants everybody to understand the power of God is present now. 
Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So when we pray thy kingdom come, it's for a coming kingdom, but it's also for a kingdom that's already here. Hallelujah. And you enter this kingdom by faith. And then he says, thy will be done. If everything that happens is God's will, why did he tell us to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done? If God's will is always done, why did Paul, you find this in Colossians chapter 1 verse 9, why did Paul pray for the Colossians? And he says, I pray that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. If God's will is always taking place, why do we have to be filled with the knowledge of God's will? It's because God's will is not always taking place. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, when they committed high treason, there was a sin nature that came upon the earth. The whole earth came under a curse. And Satan, Jesus says this in the book of John, Satan became the God, small g, the God of this world. Therefore, sometimes bad things happen to good people and God doesn't have anything to do with it. It happens because this world is under a curse. It happens because there are, there's a sin nature that's in this world one day. One day it's going to be lifted, hallelujah. One day the devil's going to be thrown into a lake of fire. But that means that you and I must contend for the will of God and not take a, a you know, a Doris Day attitude of que sera, sera, what will be, will be. The future is not ours to see, just so que sera, sera. You know, the old story was about the, the minister who just, he just believed that everything that happened was God's will. And he's walking down a very steep flight of stairs down into a subway. And he trips and he falls and he just tumbles and tumbles and tumbles down to the end of these 50 stairs. And he finally gets to the end. He, he kind of, he's dazed. And when he gets conscious again, he says, whew, glad that's over with, Lord. You know, I, I just don't think God is tripping people and sending them downstairs. My Bible tells me that Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. Jesus never went around and said, here, I want you to have some cancer. He went around doing good. He didn't say, here, I want you to go through bankruptcy. Here, would you, would you, would you please have a divorce? Here, I, I want you to have tuberculosis. Jesus did, went about doing good, healing all that were sick and oppressed of the devil. So, you know, God has blessed us with three wonderful daughters. And from the time those children were small, I'm talking about in diapers, Kathy and I would lay our hands on every single one of them and say, Lord, we contend for your will for this child. Lord, we're, we pray in Jesus' name for you to keep them safe from any extra harm or danger. But we also pray, Lord God, that they would make right choices and that they will have right friends. We contend for the will of God. And Lord, somewhere out there, there's a young man that's going to be her husband one day. We bless that little boy wherever he is, even in Trinidad. We bless this little boy. We bless his mama. We bless his daddy. Give them special wisdom. Give them understanding. Lord, may this young man grow up and may he live a life where he doesn't get tangled up in alcohol and drugs and, 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 and things that would take him down. May, may he not get tangled up from pornography, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, set this young man free. May he be healthy physically and emotionally and spiritually in every way. And may he love our daughter like Christ loves the church and may he love you most of all Lord Jesus and I'm going to tell you God has answered all three of those prayers but it wasn't a prayer we prayed once 
I mean, we prayed it almost every night when we were putting him to bed because we've got to contend for the will of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. I know there's some people that teach if your business fails, well, must be God's will. If your marriage fails, well, maybe God's trying to teach you something. Maybe he's trying to to break you and humble you. Folks, everybody look at me and everybody hear me. God is a good God. Says in Psalms 95, for the Lord is good and the Lord does. It's not 95, 93. The Lord is good and the Lord does good. Jesus is a good Jesus. He's a great Jesus. The Holy Spirit is a good Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a great Holy Spirit. The devil is a bad devil. Jesus called him a liar and a murderer. He said that his MO is to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts 10 verse 38 together. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit who went about doing Okay. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and the power who went about doing. Come on, this is interactive today. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. Folks, if you don't think that God is good. And the devil is bad, it will mess up your thinking and it will hinder your ability to believe God. It will hinder your ability to exercise faith and you'll end up limiting God in your life. In the year 2016, just last year, the nation of India was listed as one of the top 10 wealthiest countries in the world. Then that's not per capita because India has got over 1.3 billion people. And many of those people are very poor. And yet, just as far as net worth that's in a nation, they were actually number seven, according to one article that I read. Yet the average Indian person is quite poor. Did you know that over 23% of the residents of India live at the poverty level or under? Over 270 million people live at the poverty level in India. That's living on less than a dollar and 25 cents a day. And so, so here's what you've got. You've got, you've got this beautiful country. You've got these wonderful people, but you've got some people that are literally starving to death and you've got walking around on the streets through the marketplace. You have bulls and you have cows And it just seems to me that some of those bulls and those cows could feed some people. Amen? However, the Hindus teach that you don't dare eat beef because you could be eating somebody's reincarnated grandmother. How many of you see how your belief system can limit what God wants to do in your life? You know, the Hindus also believe in a caste system. They believe that when you're born, you're born in a caste system. And that means that if your daddy is a sweet sweeper, if your daddy is cleaning toilets, that's all you can ever do in life. And if you try to get out of that caste system, if you try to better yourself, they teach that when you die, you're going to be reincarnated as an ant 
or something worse. Folks, here's the point. Their belief system limits what God would like to do in their life. Let me give you another illustration. There are some Americans, they want our government to be their source. There are people that they really look to the government as their source. But my Bible tells me that God wants to be your source. (laughs) There are some, and a gentleman ran for president this year, and he wants America to be a socialist nation. And I would listen to some of the things he would say, and I would scratch my head, and I said, doesn't he remember that it wasn't that long ago that the communist world fell apart, that the Iron Curtain came down because socialism is a broken system, that it doesn't work? You you know, Tanya Krastanova, she's in Bulgaria today, she's going to be there through the end of the summer, and she'll come back, she's doing ministry over there. Do you know that, that right after the Iron Curtain fell, right after communism was coming down in, in not only the Soviet Union, but in the Soviet bloc countries, I got invited to go to Sofia, Bulgaria to minister, to preach for a week to pastors who had been imprisoned under communism. It was a great, great, great privilege. And so, you know, I remember flying from London over into Bulgaria and crossing over the, 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 the Balkan mountain. I say that right. The Balkan mountains is beautiful. It's beautiful. And you come down into Sofia and it's just absolutely a gorgeous country. But when you get down and in, inside and start looking at the infrastructure of the city, what I discovered is that many things were in disrepair and things were falling apart because socialism ultimately doesn't work. Because if this man gets paid, whether he works or not, and this man, maybe he works real hard, but he's going to get paid the same. After a while, this man's going to lose his incentive to work hard. And there are some people... There's a fellow who, who shot a congressman two weeks ago in Washington, D.C. And this fellow was shown holding up a placard. And a lot of people, a lot of people are lining up here. The, the placard said, we need to tax, the, the wealthy need to pay 90% of their income in taxes. And I'm thinking, are you thinking this through? Man, you might have a, a wealthy person over here and, and maybe, maybe, we tax him 90% of his income. Then he's got to pay business taxes. And then he's got to pay capital gain taxes. And then he's got to pay other licenses and things to run his business. Okay, so we tax him one year and we take five people over here and we help them with, with, with all kinds of government assistant programs. Okay, and then we tax him the second year and help these people the third year, help these people the fourth year, help these people the fifth year, help these people the sixth year we come back to him. He don't have anything else. Because he's been taxed to death. And he doesn't have any way to help him. How much better would it be to take his, his wealth and for him to invest it in a, in a free market capitalistic system into something that creates jobs, that strengthens the economy. You know, somebody said the problem with socialism is that after a while you just run out of other people's money to spend. Folks, we're talking about not limiting God. Many times we limit God because we're looking for the government to be our savior. Folks, the church, we're supposed to take care of the poor. 
We're supposed to take care of the widows. And I'll tell you where it starts. If my dad is struggling, it's my responsibility to help my dad. If my sister is struggling, it's my responsibility, not the government's responsibility. It's my responsibility to do whatever I can to help my sister. Now don't shout me down because I'm preaching so good this morning. A socialistic mindset will limit what God wants to do in your life because God wants to be your source, not the government. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. Let's read that together. Read it aloud with me. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Say it again. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In other words, your life is going to go in the direction of your dominant thoughts. And the way to change your thinking is to read and study and meditate in the Word of God. You know, I, I remember, I remember when I, when I came to the Lord, I was in favor of abortion. I remember I'd, I'd been on a debate team in school and I debated in favor of abortion and I came to know the Lord Jesus and I started reading the Bible and I started realizing that human life is precious and the human life doesn't start just once a person has been born. It starts in the womb. And see, I had a whole lot of things that I believed that needed to be changed. In fact, the Lord had to take my brains and take a a Holy Ghost Brillo pad to my brains and just scrub them real good. But the more I would read this Bible, particularly the New Testament, I would read the scripture and I would pray it and I would meditate it. God began to change my thinking and it didn't happen overnight, but it was a process If you're in financial difficulty, let me just suggest, don't pray. God, please send somebody with a big sack of money for me. Oh, God, just let me win the lottery. You know, the chances of that are really, really small. That's not the answer. What you got to do is you got to get into the Word of God and start reading it and start finding out what God has to say about your money. And you also got to make your mind, I'm going to live below my means. Because if your upkeep exceeds your income, I didn't say it right. Somebody help me. If your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Amen. There you go. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18. Yeah, if you're taking notes, if your upkeep exceeds your income, then... No, if your outgo... <laughs> If your outgo exceeds your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. Amen? So you're going to get that straight, okay? Look at Deuteronomy 8.18. Read this aloud with me. And you shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you power to get wealth. Come on, say it again with me. And you shall remember the Lord your God. It is he who gives you power to get wealth. That word power is translated as capacity. 
as the ability. The Lord our God gives us the ability to get wealth. And some people are much more, have a lot more ability in that area than others. Folks, it's not the government that gives us the power to obtain wealth. It's the Lord our God who gives us the power to obtain wealth. Now, folks, I'm a pastor. I'm not a businessman. I've invested my life in the kingdom of God. You know, I'll get around my brother-in-laws. I'll get around some of our cousins. And they'll start talking and say, well, you know, I wish I had another, uh, I wish I had another, they'll, they'll name a big sum of money to invest in this company or to invest in that or to do that. And they'll say, well, I made this investment and I did this, that, and the other. And I'm just quiet. And sometimes they'll turn to me and say, Terrell, what are you thinking? I said, I'm living for the judgment seat of Christ. They said, what do you mean about that? I said, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 5, every one of us are going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ, where there there is a system of rewards that we'll get not just for 70 or 80 or 90 years on this earth. And that system of rewards is not based on the Dow Jones Industrial Average. That system of rewards is not based on what the the computer um, world is doing in China. There's a judgment seat of Christ where you're going to receive. You're going to receive for all eternity. You'll receive blessings based on how much you invested in the kingdom of God. You'll be so glad when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll be so so glad that a little kid put a yellow cup in your face. (laughs) While we're singing BGNC, Boys and Girls Missionary Campaign or Challenge. Hallelujah. You'll be so glad for that $1,000 bill that you took out. (laughs) Hallelujah. Glory to God. Now, Kathy and I are pastors but when we first got married we took deuteronomy 8 verse 18 and we said lord we're, we just believe this is for us and we received the power the ability to get wealth we believe you for that in jesus name and you know what we prayed that probably for a year and we didn't see anything change but the day came we bought a piece of property and when we sold it we were amazed because it was a good investment. And then we bought another piece of property. And when we sold that, we were amazed. And then we bought another piece of property. And all this time we're saying, God, we thank you that you give us the power to obtain or to receive wealth. And it goes on and says that I may establish my covenant with you. And I'd encourage you, to, there's a whole lot more in that chapter about, you know, don't let your heart get lifted up and say it was my power or my ability that I am blessed. I'm going to tell you something. 100% of everything that you and I own belongs to God. We're simply stewards. We're simply traveling through. When Bill Gates passes away, guess how much he's going to take with him? Zero. Zero. When Warren Buffett passes away, how much is Warren taken with him? He's not taking anything with him. We're leaving it all. Amen? We're just stewards. 
And you'll be so happy for everything that you've invested in the kingdom of God. I, I heard a story about a little lady. In fact, this lady lives down in Tampa. And she was on food stamps and she was on welfare. But she got hold of this verse of scripture. And you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the power to get wealth. And here's what I would encourage you to do. Not only read the scripture, not only meditate on it, but start praying it back to God. This little lady was doing that. She says, Lord, the word of God says that you give me the power to obtain wealth. And Lord, here I am. I'm in a tough spot. I don't have many Many people I can depend upon. I don't quite know what to do. But Lord, you're giving me the power to obtain wealth. And she she said she prayed that for several months. And one day after she prayed, it was like God gave her a little mini vision. And she saw herself going to the local dollar store and filling up a buggy with things from the dollar store. So she goes and she she buys all she can, and then she got home, and she went on Craigslist, and everything that she had bought for a dollar, she listed on Craigslist for three dollars. Everything that she had bought for two dollars, she listed for four dollars or five dollars, and, and on and on and on. Do you know, to her amazement, inside a week, she had sold everything in her in her little shopping cart, So and the people also paid the, paid the postage. So now she takes all of her profits, she pays her tithes on her profits, and now she goes and reinvests it, and she buys two grocery shopping carts full of stuff from the dollar store. She goes back to Craigslist. Do you know that in 2016, that little lady made $40,000 Buying stuff at the dollar store and reselling it on Craigslist because she says God has given me the power to obtain wealth. I'm telling you, don't, you can laugh all you want to, but I'm telling you, God, God wants to speak to you. God's got, He's got all kinds of ideas. He's got all kinds of witty inventions. But you've got to by faith say, Lord, I thank you that I received the power to obtain wealth. Hallelujah. I'll tell you another thing that, how are we doing on time this morning? We still got some, you got more time for me to speak, okay. So, so, some people, you know, they think that God is a respecter of persons. They really think that God has his favorites. I've had people tell me, say, well, you know, God likes preachers better than he likes the rest of us. Here's the problem with that. The Bible doesn't say that. In fact, the Bible says over in Acts chapter 10, verses 34 and 35, Peter opened his mouth and said, In truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Look, we live in a world that will discriminate against you. According to who your mom and daddy were, where you grew up, the color of your skin, how curly is your hair. Come on, we serve in a world, we, we live in a world that will discriminate, but God does not discriminate. There's one thing he does discriminate on. He discriminates on the basis of faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please God. <laughs> but he loves everybody. Peter says, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality but in every nation whoever fears him see see the psalmist says the fear of the lord is clean enduring forever in other words the fear of the lord keeps you walking in holiness folks the fear of the lord is the reason you didn't have an affair last week 
Come on. The fear of the Lord is what keeps you from visiting some websites. Come on. The fear of the Lord keeps you from abusing some things. The fear of the Lord is clean. In truth, I perceive God shows no partiality in every nation who ever fears Him and works righteousness. Is What does that mean, to work righteousness? If you'll carefully read the book of Romans, you'll find that to work righteousness means to place your faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ as the full payment for your sins and serve Jesus Christ as a king, as a Lord, as the master of your life. That's the work of righteousness. And every nation who ever fears Him and works righteousness is accepted by him god's not a respecter of persons he does respect faith amen there's something about faith that just causes god to get all excited about you and here's the truth you are unique and god's called you to do some things that nobody else on this earth can do god has never made an inferior person now there are people that'll try to make you feel inferior there are situations you get in and it'll try to make you feel insecure. But Jeremiah 29, 11, again, we're talking about thinking thoughts like God thinks because we don't want to limit what God will do in our life. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and to give you a hope. Many times, man, I've driven down the road saying, Lord, I thank you that you're thinking good thoughts about me. I thank you that my picture's on your refrigerator. I thank you, Lord, that you've got good plans for me. I receive your good plans. I thank you that they're plans for peace and not of evil to give me a future and to give me a hope. God's thinking good thoughts about you right now. Oh, turn and tell somebody God's thinking good thoughts about you. He's got a perfect plan for your life. Psalms 139 verse 14. David says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and that my soul knows very well. Folks, there's nothing inferior about you. Let me try it over here. There's nothing inferior about you. Amen. There's nothing. You say, well, I've got this birth defect and I, I don't do this so good and I, I'm not so smart. And I don't, I'm telling you, there's nothing inferior about you because as Pearl Bailey says, God don't make no junk. You are fearfully and wonderfully made whether your parents saw you coming or not. God knew you from the foundation of the world, and he's got a plan and a purpose for your lives. Glory to God. We're talking about, you know, we limit God by our thinking. How many of you, let me, and I won't be honest here. How many of you say, Terrell, I'm a leader. Come on, let me just see your hand. I'm a leader. Ooh, how many of you know you go to hell for lying just as much as you will for stealing? I'm kidding with you about that. But folks, John Maxwell's one of my favorite authors. And, and, and John, in, in all of his leadership books, he, he, he clearly says that leadership is influence. And you may not influence thousands of people, but if you influence one, then you're a leader. If you influence the person down at the 7-Eleven, come on. If you influence the person at the grocery store, if you influence a neighbor, you are a leader. So now let me see how many of you are leaders. Let me see every single hand. 
Glory to God. How many of you know as a leader, there are people that are watching you? There are people looking at you. They're looking at you, especially when you go through the storms, because they just want to see if what you've got is real. Here's the deal. It's not enough just for, for the world to watch Christians, because at some point in time, our friends, our neighbors, our relatives, our, 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 our coworkers, at some point in time, they've got an appointment with eternity. At some point in time, they're going to die. And when they die, they're either going to go to heaven or hell. And I'm sorry, I wish I could say that everybody goes to heaven. I know that's preached. That God's a good God and He's so good He wouldn't let anybody go to hell. Well, God doesn't send people to hell. Our sins send people to hell. That's the reason we need the blood of Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? And so many times, especially here in the United States, we'll think, well, there's nothing special about me. I can't share the gospel. I'm not very smart. I'm not very articulate. How, how many of you know that's a pretty good excuse? Moses uses that one. I'm not very articulate. I'm too young. Jeremiah tried to use that one. There are all kinds of excuses. But you can all your life, you can pray every night. Oh, God, send Pastor Terrell over to witness to my neighbor. Oh, God, send a missionary or evangelist. But God's looking for you. He said every single one of us is to go into the world and preach the gospel. Not just a, not just a few. Don't you buy into the lie that you're not smart enough and you don't talk so good. I, I need somebody who will role play with me. So somebody, who, who, who will, who will help your pastor this morning? Come on, brother James. Amen. Good to see you, brother James. Good to see you, man. James is a lawyer. He is, he's even helped us with some legal stuff here at the church. You can pray for me. We can pray for James. Okay. Um, now, guys, what I've got in my hands is called a gospel soul-winning script. A gospel, in fact, we're going to make it available for you as you walk out of here today. But let's just assume that, 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 that I might know James or I might not. So I'm just saying, hey, my name's Terrell Todd. What's your name? James. So nice to meet you, James. Nice Has anybody you. ever told you that God loves you and he's got a plan for your life? My dad did. Your dad told you that. Isn't that a good thing to know? I wasn't sure it was true. You weren't sure it was true. James, let's get you a microphone, okay? Here, and let, let's step back a little bit so the people, Hello. so we don't have our, so we don't have our, our backs to some of these folks. So you weren't t- totally sure that you were, it was true. Well, let me ask you this, James. If you died today, would you go to heaven? Well, I hope so. You hope so. Well, at that point in time, when you ask that question, if they give any other answer other than yes, because Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, then you say, well, James, can I tell you what the Bible says? Um, is it a It won't just take you. Know, no, it won't, ta- won't take long at all. I know the Bible's a big book, but I'm not going to share it all with you right now. Go ahead, go ahead. James, the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible says that whoever calls 
on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm a whosoever. You're a whosoever, right? Whosoever. Yeah. James, let me that just. That would be me, yes. Let, let me just pray for you. I just want to pray a prayer blessing real quickly, okay? Lord God, I ask you to bless James. I ask you to bless his. You, you're married? Yes, I am. Yeah. Bless his wife, and you got kids, I guess? Just a few. Okay, just a few kids. <laughs> Lord, bless his wife, bless his children, minister to him, help him in every way imaginable. <laughs> Lord, give him great health. <laughs> the anointing's really heavy today, I can tell. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah, you feel the Holy Ghost. Lord, give him great health and minister to him from the crown of his head to the soles of his body. Thank you, Feet, Lord. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Amen. 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 You got me, you got me off there, James. That's funny. <laughs> I receive it. Okay. Okay. James, can I pray with you yes. to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes, indeed. Okay, just repeat after me. Say, Lord God. Lord God, I come to you today. I come to you today. I trust the shed blood of Christ. I trust the shed blood of Christ. As the full payment for all my sins. As the full payment for all my sins. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Right now. Right now. I make Jesus Christ. I make Jesus Christ. My Lord. My Lord. And my Savior. And my Savior. Amen. 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 Well, congratulations, my friend. And I I just want to tell you on the authority of Scripture that you are now born again. Your sins are forgiven. Your name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Whatever happens in life, don't run away from God. Run to God. Did you hear that? Whatever happens, don't run away, but run to God. And James, you and your family need to get involved in a great Bible-believing teaching church. And I know just the church. It's at the corner of High and Old Bainbridge Roads. I know that church. It's called Evangel Assembly of God. They got a really good pastor. Well, Is the pastor. Is that you? Oh, well. The, wow. James, what's important? Is that you go to a really good church. We love you. Congratulations. Thank you, brother. Thank God. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. You can just put it right there. Come on, give him a big hand. It's really not that hard. And I'll tell you, when I share, I I keep one of these scripts in my hand. Because you can forget where you are. And I just keep it, keep it in my front pocket or something. But it's an easy way to share the gospel. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. You know, when I was in high school, and I'll wrap this thing up. When I was in high school, man, I was so shy. I was so bashful. I wouldn't even look people in the eye. When I talked to them, I just kind of looked down. But one day I heard a psychologist on television say that shy people are selfish people. Timid people many times are selfish people because they don't really want to share themselves with other people. And I remember saying, well, I don't want to be selfish. At the age of 17, I gave my heart to the Lord Jesus and I started sensing that I was called to, to pastor. And I remember saying, God, you got the wrong person. I, I, I am not the good choice here. I, I am, I am just not the good choice. In fact, let's, let's put 1 Corinthians one twenty six up there. Paul says, for you see your calling, brethren. Come on, Josh, to the keyboard. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh. I'd read that and say, see, God, I qualify. Not many mighty. God, I qualify. Not many noble are called. And I would say, God, I qualify. But you know, I started praying. I got saved. I said, God, you got to help me not to be shy, not to be selfish. 
you got to help me to start looking people in the eyes and talking to them. Became, I was a freshman student at Emmanuel College, and I made up my mind. I was going to look in the eye and talk to every person who came across my path. And I would just, I would just see people and I would, I'd just stick up my hand and say, Hey, my name's Terrell. What's your name? I'm from Florida. Where are you from? And we'd start talking. And I learned to ask questions. I learned that everybody's favorite subject is themselves. And so I'd ask people questions about themselves. And I met a ton of people that year. My sophomore year, first of the year, student government or it's having elections. I didn't pay much attention to it, honestly. Somebody made me a write-in candidate to be the president of the sophomore class. And guess who was elected president of the sophomore class? All I'd done is tried to be friends. The Bible says if you're going to be friends, you've got to be friendly. My junior year, somebody made me a write-in candidate to be the president of the Student Government Association. I didn't run. I wasn't that interested in it. Guess who won the presidency of the Student Government Association? Not just my junior year, but my senior year too. Folks, we just limit God so much. We say, we try to tell him, God, you can use me this way, but you can't use me that way. God, you can do this in my life, but you can't do that. And sometimes our thinking, our thinking really needs to be changed. And the best way to change your thinking is every day of your life, I hope you get into the Word of God. You say, I don't read so good. Well, go to, you can get their Bible apps today, and they'll actually have people that'll read the Scripture to you. And you can listen to it on your phone. But you need to get into the Word of God. This Bible, this book, is the greatest change agent in the world. And I love you guys. It is a privilege to pastor the greatest congregation in the world. And you are the greatest congregation in the world. You really are. I'm not just saying that. I'm not just blowing smoke. You're the greatest congregation in the world. And God's got great plans for you. I hope and I pray that you'll take this. When the ushers give it to you as you exit this auditorium today, I pray you'll take it and do more with just putting it on them someplace to let it collect dust. I pray you'll read it and study it and become intentional about sharing your faith in Jesus Christ with other people. I want every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you've come to this place today and maybe you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. Maybe you've never said, Jesus, I want you to live inside me. See, I'm not asking you to join this church. This church is a great church. But I'm not asking you to join this church. I'm asking you to join a family. It's called the family of God. The family of God is those who love and serve the Lord Jesus Christ. I want you to know that God loves you and you're special. And He cares for you. And today the Lord would say to you, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Maybe... Maybe you don't know what would happen if you died today. Maybe you don't know that you would wake up in heaven. You don't know where you would spend eternity. I want you to know that Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Jesus shed his blood to pay for your sins. He he died to redeem you back to God. This could be your last opportunity 
don't say no to the Lord today. Maybe you know, you've known the Lord, but you've grown cold. Maybe something in life happened. Maybe you went through a divorce. Maybe your finances hit bottom. Maybe you went through a bankruptcy. Maybe your best friend betrayed you. Maybe you've had children that have gone AWOL and done things you never thought they would do. Maybe you lost your job. Maybe you're buried under a mountain of debt and you're just not sure which way to turn. And you're here today and you're just not sure where you stand with God. Today's a good day to come back. It's a good day to come back. Maybe you know the Lord Jesus and maybe you love him, but you're not, don't have assurance in your own heart that if you die tonight, you go home to heaven. This is a good opportunity to get that assurance in your heart. I'm going to ask you with every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody moving, nobody talking. If you say, Terrell, I, I, I fit in one of those three categories, just raise your hand and leave it up until I see it. Just raise your hand. Leave it up. Just look me in the eye. Once you, once you raise your hand, look me in the eye. And by our eyes meeting, we're saying, yes, yes, you mean it. You mean it. You mean it. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Terrell, that's me. Just look me in the eye. Yeah, you're serious today. Anybody else? Terrell, that's me. That's me. That's me. Anybody else? Anybody else in this house? Anybody else? Okay, yes, I see you right, right back here. Yes, just look me in the eye. I'm going to ask you now to stand to your feet if you raise your hand. And I'm going to ask you to come and stand right down here. And I'm going to ask Terry to come and she's going to, she's going to stand there. She wants to pray with you. That's it. It's going to take boldness. It's one thing to raise your hand. It's another thing to stand to your feet and say, you know what? I need to respond. Today is the day of salvation. I need to respond. I need to be serious. There's nobody that's going to think less of you for responding today. In fact, people will probably respect you even more because you're saying, hey, today's my day. Today's my day of salvation. Hallelujah. Here's what we want to do. We're going to pray one prayer together in support of, 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 of these guys. We're going to say one prayer together. Let's all pray this out loud. Say, Lord God. Come on, say it again. Lord God, today I trust the shed blood of Christ as the full payment for all my sins. I turn away from sin. I turn away from Satan. I turn away from self. And I turn to Jesus. Come fill me, Holy Spirit. Help me. Do a work in my life. I make Jesus Christ my King, my Lord, my Master. I love you, God. And I just say to everybody who's just prayed that prayer in faith believing, welcome to the family of God. I say welcome to the family of God. The angels are rejoicing today. The angels are rejoicing. Hallelujah. There's more joy over one sinner than repents than over 99 righteous. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. We pray right now that God uses this message to plant good eternal seeds deep into your soul. For more information, visit our website, evangelag.org. Evangel's all about making the name of Jesus famous and His church glorious. We love God, love people, and love life. 
and we're here for you, working to help draw people from impossible situations into a loving and friendly circle of hope where answers are found and acceptance is given. We invite you to join us for any of our services, Sunday mornings at 1030 and Wednesday evenings at 7. We're located at 2300 Old Bainbridge Road in Tallahassee. We have fantastic programs for kids and youth and small groups to make deeper connections. And we pray that God blesses you richly and abundantly as you continue to seek Him first in all of your life.